Hey, what up Long Beach? Happy holidays to you and yours. We are bringing you our year-end edition of this podcast that's part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post covering everything sports, schools, and otherwise here in the LBC. What a year it was. We're going to be breaking down the top 10 moments of 2021 for our Long Beach high school and college sports here in the city and beyond. Not not, not even just limiting ourselves to high school and college because we've got more content to sift through uh, more than any other year. We had two football seasons, guys. Two football seasons. That's where we're at. As always, with the 562.org, I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Garabasio. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson. This show, as well as everything that we do at the 562.org, sponsored by our longtime good friends over at Naples Rib Company. Guys, I have not eaten yet today. We're here. It's almost 2.30. I'm starving. I could definitely go for some Naples Rib Company. I couldn't possibly take down a hog pack by myself <laughs> as much as I would like to try. But Naples Rib Co., great for you know any family gatherings for the holidays you know get it get a big big old pack of barbecue they got ribs they got chicken they got sausages all the great sides mac and cheese mashed potatoes baked beans i need to stop talking or i'm gonna start drooling on my laptop <laughs> i uh, i do want to mention before we get into what everyone's here to, to listen to which is our top 10 sports moments of the year and as jj said there was quite a few sports moments this year um, we want to just shout out uh, all the people who've been so generous to the 562. This is our last episode for the calendar year. Uh, we'll be back in January when uh, the More League Winter Sports schedule starts back up. But thank you so much to all of the donors and subscribers um, and our board members and everyone who stepped up to donate enough money. The 562 does not happen. Uh, not only without the support of the Long Beach Post and Naples Rib Company, but also without your guys' support. And so, you know, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Um, to all of you for giving us a year where we could do the things that we loved. Uh, but also, it is the end of the year. If you have any year-end giving you want to do for tax purposes or um, just because you, maybe you bought yourself something really nice for Christmas and you're feeling a little guilty about it and you want to give some money to charity as well, we would be happy to be the recipient of your donation at the end of this year for whatever reason. Uh, and every donation you make to the 562 is fully tax deductible because we are a 501c3. And it's one-to-one. You give money to the 562.org, sports coverage in Long Beach is better. Full stop. You look at our winter previews that we put together, we put more words down for our winter previews this year. And the reason we had time to do that is because we didn't have to be at every single fall sport as those seasons were concluding. We had our group of freelancers who are very talented and love Long Beach sports like we do. So we were able to do that stuff because of those donations from you, the listeners. And they're homegrown. You know, our crop of freelancers are of the community, from the community. We covered many of them uh, while they were in high school. So uh, when we say that we are Long Beach, not LA, we really mean that. Uh, We're really community built. We're by Long Beach for Long Beach. Uh, because of Long Beach. So if you want to join the team and be part of the reason that Long Beach has the best local sports coverage anywhere in the country, that's our opinion. We have had people tell us that. Uh, then join, <laughs> join up, uh, give what you can, or uh, let your friends and neighbors know to support uh, the562.org and the work that we do. Head to the website, click that support tab, and it gives you a bunch of different ways that you can support the work that we do at the 562. This pod may sound a little bit different, because usually we're recording it on Zoom, trying to slam it into our busy schedule. Sitting down together at the same table doesn't normally happen while we're in the full swing of things. But 
We are sitting down today around the table at an undisclosed location here in Long Beach, putting together the top 10 moments of the year so that we can give them to you and then kind of put together our plan for covering stuff next year because so much stuff happened this year, it's almost hard to compute in our head what the next year of Long Beach sports is going to look like. Yeah, we were just kind of looking at um, at some of our top stories from the last calendar year, and there were some things that happened in April that I was looking at JJ like, can you believe this happened in this calendar year? But as you said, we had two football seasons. We had two seasons of every sport except for girls volleyball because we played a full fall, winter, spring in three months from March to June uh, early in the year. And then obviously we've had um, still some COVID disruptions, but more or less a normal sports schedule um, from August onward, which first of all, how amazing is that? Yeah, big shouts to everybody at the school district, the local schools, the people who are volunteering CIF, their time. Long Beach CIF, State, yes, yes everybody. Sure. Great job, everybody, because all we did while waiting for sports to come back was ask people, what are you doing to make sure that sports come back, and everybody was working so hard to make that happen. So yeah, big shouts to the sports community. Not surprised, obviously, that the Long Beach sports community stepped up yeah. for itself. So as we as we get into our top ten, I think that's the perfect place to start. But number ten is the return of sports. You know, obviously at the beginning of this calendar year, it's hard to think back and remember that. But the last nine months of 2020 featured no youth sports legally happening anywhere really in in all of Southern California. Um, and that it was the same thing at the start of 2021. We had some Long Beach State stuff back. We knew some things would be happening like track and field and cross country, but it wasn't really until that first football night, JJ and I are at Cabrillo covering Long Beach Poly and Sarah, that I think we looked at each other and said, we might actually be starting to come through this, at least in how we're letting kids resume their lives. It was the warm-ups for me. You know, if you, if you know anything about Long Beach Poly football and the program, uh, those warm-ups are special. They've been the same for a really long time. And to see those kids get to come back and do that stuff together with their family. Because let's be honest, when you put that much time and effort into something like a high school football program... It is your family, the family you choose or the family that chooses you, really. So to see those kids be able to do that uh, after, you know, the loss of so much, literally the loss of life, to be able to come back and look alive again, I'm getting goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Well, and who would have known that we would get that game <laughs> two more times? Not once, but twice. <laughs> I, would have signed, I would have signed up for it <laughs> at Absolutely. that point in time. Well, yeah, because it was an epic, uh, terrific game. Um, obviously, the teams ended up playing two more times uh, with Sarah, unfortunately for many of our listeners and for Long Beach Poly, uh, Sarah able to get the wins again in, in two more close games uh, in the more, I guess, regularly scheduled 2021 season. It's all they the do, fall, it's all they the do fall, man. Right. The fall football season. They could play that thing in the middle of summer on a parking lot and it'd be a one-score game. <laughs> Absolutely, and it was the perfect way to kind of kick things off and bring things back. You know, it's like... It's different for football. There's just so much more pageantry than there are for, for the other sports, you know, and it really brings communities together as we see really across the country. And so that was that was the moment where we're like, hey, man, I've I've missed this. I've missed the opportunity to cover high school kids and tell their stories. And, um, yeah, it was a, a moment that I'll definitely remember, even though I wasn't at the game. It was still that, that night I will remember very vividly. I think um, it's worth noting as well, you know, the three of us are among the happiest people anywhere in the city that, you know, we were able to bring sports back for kids this year, but it was, this was also a brutal year. 
And I, Jill Baker, the LBSD superintendent, mentioned that as she closed the school board meeting last night, which was the last school board meeting of the calendar year. She said, you know, I've heard from a lot of people who said 2021 was way harder than 2020. You know, 2020, all the uncertainty and everything, it was crazy. But there was also a real quiet and stillness to it as families kind of had to pack into their houses together. 2021 was the opposite of that. And, you know, it was really challenging for me personally. We probably each covered twice as many sporting events as we would in a normal calendar year. And for me, coming out of that extra time with my family in 2020, it was really difficult in 2021 to cram all those sports into those three months. I know a lot of the ADs felt that way. I don't think it's a coincidence that basically half of the athletic directors in the Moore League resigned at the end of that season. Um, A huge number of football coaches and I mean, I think at Wilson High School alone, there's been 10 coaches that have resigned over this calendar year. So it was really punishing. I think it was incredible. We were able to get it done for the kids. But I will admit, as we go into our little break here, um, I've never needed a break this badly because we didn't really even get one in the summer. It was like stuff went late into June. We had the Olympics and then we we're working on the fall previews right away. So I, it feels like we've been going nonstop since that Polly Sarah night. And not that I haven't appreciated it. But I'm looking forward to this break to take a deep breath and then hopefully have a much more normal 2022 where we're not seeing football teams play three times in one calendar year. I wholeheartedly <laughs> agree. And speaking of the Olympics, it is our number nine, never on vacation, the Olympics, because this is not the Olympics we thought we were going to be covering. It wasn't supposed to be in 2021, right? Not even supposed to be here today. 17 athletes representing Long Beach in one way or the other. They went to school here. They were born here, whatever it is. Uh, 17 of them went to Tokyo for the uh, very strange experience of having Olympic Games without fans in the stands. Uh, that just just felt weird just thinking about it, looking back on it. Um, but still, Long Beach, well represented in the Summer Olympics. You look at guys like Long Beach State alum TJ DeFalco, like the day he stepped on campus here in Long Beach, it's like, oh, well, that guy's going to the Olympics. And then to actually see him do it, he was leading Team USA and scoring at one point in the tournament. So it wasn't like he was just on the squad. He was a huge part of what they were doing. So that was really cool to see TJ. There's obviously other ones like Max Irving in the pool for the uh, for the Team USA after doing you know amazing things at Wilson High School, winning CIF championships there. Uh, Riley Gibbs, who's just a guy who used to uh, sail boats in Alamitos Bay. Representing the Long Beach Yacht Club. Right. There he is in Tokyo competing in the Olympics. Like the Olympic tradition in Long Beach, I, we say it all the time, second to none. Yeah, and th- that definitely shown through even in this very bizarre year. Um, I do think it's nice with the Olympics, as with everything else, to start looking at 2024 and hopefully something that's a little bit more normal. I know you and I got a chance to talk to almost every single one of the Olympians before they went to Tokyo, and they all talked about the weird bittersweet feeling of achieving your life's dream of becoming an Olympian, but not being able to bring your mom, bro, not how being bad, able to bring right. your wife or your kids and, and how, having how to go you feel isolate. Taylor Crab, bro. Yeah. Oh, Crab got in, got COVID, couldn't go. Right. Your dream, your lifelong dream of going to the Olympics, play volleyball. And you, and, re- a, cha- and a real chance. air once. Right. And a, re- and a real chance to compete for a medal, you know, and, Without and, question. and we hope that he still gets that opportunity. Fortunately, you know, because it got pushed back, the next Olympics are closer than they would normally be. Um, and But again, I mean, we're still not through all the, the hurdles and the challenges. You want to look ahead to 2024, but, you know, I mean, pardon me for being a bit skeptical and pessimistic about Without how question. the world's going. But yeah, no, there are those... Story. So there's all. Unfortunately, there are those qualifiers where we have to. We've got to be done by 2024, right? 
Hey, Please, God. we gotta be this done is, by 2024. Dude, this is Padme Anakin, <laughs> right? 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 <laughs> what do you, I, mean, I don't know. What do you say we're gonna run out of we're gonna run out of letters? The alphabet's <laughs> the Greek alphabet's only so big, and then we're just like, all right, there, we can't. There's nowhere else for us to go. But I mean, yeah. Omicron's already the next to last letter, so I, we gotta get to <laughs> Omega, and then it has to be done. That's <laughs> it. True. Now I want Omega Burger. Um, no, but no, I think there, there. Unfortunately, there is that sort of bittersweet element. But it was a. Sp- a, a special Olympics, and um, you know it, it's one that will be memorable. Tony Acevedo was like, "Well, I guess I don't have the uh, chance to play in the Olympics for the first time that I can basically remember." <laughs> it's like he went from ball boy to uh, perennial Olympian to now like maybe best commentator um, yes. at the uh, at the Olympic Games, or certainly one of the the better ones. So um, yeah, it was interesting to see like the the future with all the young athletes as well as you know some of the familiar names kind of transitioning into different roles. Well, and we start to look to 2028 a little bit where, you know, when the next Olympics ends, they're going to start sending that torch towards Long Beach and L.A. and Southern California. Um, And I think it's been really bizarre for us in this weird time warp that we've been discussing where all of a sudden you start looking at Hank Rivers and Sammy Hamilton and Gray Carson at Wilson and going, wait a minute, you're 18, 17, 16, okay, plus seven years, oh, Shoot, maybe throw Peyton Watson in there. Right. You know? yeah, oh, right. That's a, big, oh, that's a tough, but, that's but a tough is, leap to make. Right, but, but it's we, like, oh, yeah, we you'd be in your mid-20s when the Olympics are in Southern California and water polo is being played in the city of Long Beach, right? So that that aspect of it has been fun uh, as, as well. Those are lofty, audacious, audacious gold, but, uh, goals, rather, but, you know, we're, we're taught to dream in gold in Long Beach, right? I mean, that's... Absolutely. (laughs) Number eight on this list. Tyler was there and we didn't believe him when he was texting us what was (laughs) happening at this event. It is the Moore League Cross Country Finals. Actually, Cross Country was the first thing that was like back on campus. It was the first stuff, yeah. Yeah. Continuously running those uh, running those meets on campus on tracks that are, you know, courses that they just created around the track a little bit, but mostly around campus because they couldn't go to the parks because the parks weren't available at the time. Tyler covered the finals at Cabrillo and multiple things happened that we might never see again. Well, let me be clear before we (laughs) hand it to Tyler. This is the first Morley Cross Country Finals I had not covered since 2007, since before we were covering sports. And... As he was posting updates, I literally was like checking with him. I forget what I had to do. I was covering something else that day because 9,000 things were happening at the same time. Right. I was literally texting him like, you're joking, right? Like, this is a prank you are pulling yeah. on me specifically. Right, yeah. <laughs> I wish – I kind of want to bring up the, the text conversation if I can scroll back and find it <laughs> just because it's like I was freaking out. And obviously there was – I was trying to post stuff on Twitter so everyone would understand. But it was just like how, how am I here by myself at this because, you know, I had worked with you guys a, a while back and then I had been gone for about five years and then started literally – a week before the pandemic hit. (laughs) So I covered like two boys volleyball games and then went back on the shelf from live coverage. We're we're coming up on your two-year hiring anniversary. And as of yet, you have worked one week that was not during a pandemic, yes. Yeah, and so so I hadn't covered a ton of stuff at that point, really. I mean, obviously we were busy as sports had kicked back up, but cross-country was kind of the first thing. So this was the first, like, championship event. Like, okay, Bring your A game. You know, dreams are going to become reality for a couple of kids today. (laughs) And then it was just chaos, right? I mean, the fact that it was at Cabrillo is weird. Usually, you know, it's at parks is where they would probably never happen again. Right. And then 
it was a hot day, unseasonably warm day as well. So that definitely made its impact on the competitors having to deal with the uh, more extreme heat. And then lo and behold, those uh, conditions led to a really impossible to predict ending. So Milliken going for a record second consecutive league championship uh, on the girls' side, winning the race pretty comfortably, and then right at the end of the race, guys, two of the, the top two runners for Milliken both collapse. I mean, we're talking on the last curve here, less than 100 meters from the finish line. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It's like stuff that you would just only expect to see on SportsCenter from some obscure, like, yeah, <laughs> running competition that you're not familiar a with. Marathon, a marathon in Kathmandu. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Tyler's texting me, people don't usually collapse <laughs> during the league finals, dude. Paramedics on the way. Not a thing you want from any event. Everybody's okay, by the way. We're not laughing yes, at right. anybody's... You know, Missed, misfortunes. Yeah, yeah I, everything turned out fine. Um, the Milliken runners who, who went down ended up being okay. But it was very scary moments as, you know, they literally collapsed one right after the other and just gasps going through the crowd of like, what, are, what do we do? You know, I mean, some people ran to attend to them, but then coaches know that if you assist, then they are disqualified. But then obviously you have to forget about that and worry about safety. Ultimately, uh, Wilson's uh, Natalie Seymour, a freshman, wins the race, um, just her second varsity race, if I remember pretty, correctly. Pretty, yeah. pretty impressive, crazy stuff, yes. Yeah, and, sure. then, and then on the boys' side, a freshman also won the boys' race for Milliken, uh, Jason Parra. He was expected to win. There was no real surprise there. But um, yeah, and Milliken ultimately, even while losing their top two runners, still holds on and wins the team championship and they're FaceTiming their teammates from the hospital uh, celebrating with the trophy. I mean, it's just certainly something that I will always remember and the fact that it happened so early in the return to sports is like, guys, are we ready for this? <laughs> like, can we handle the what's uh, what's coming our way? So definitely a, a weird thing and fortunately everybody was okay and yeah, that's something I'll take away from the year for sure. What uh, much of the rest of this list ended up being is it turned out to be the best year that we have ever covered. Um, and you obviously have to keep in mind that it is the competitive equity era where, you know, these Long Beach teams are able to compete in lower divisions. But we ended up winning, let me count here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We ended up winning eight CIF championships um, among the more league uh, schools that we cover um, which is not something we've ever covered in a calendar year. And at number seven on this list is the Polly and Milliken girls and boys tennis teams winning CIF championships this year. I believe, am I correct in thinking neither program had ever won a CIF championship before? I, bu I believe that's the case, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty wild and certainly not sports, to be quite honest, that we are checking for. Right? I mean, the tennis preview is not usually a big focal point of when we're putting this coverage together, but we always try and be ready for whatever comes so that, you know, as happened, if we do have teams that are successful, we're able to give them kind of like A-list level coverage. Right. And yeah, Polly and Milliken Tennis winning CIF championships. Not not headlines that I expected to be writing, but a really cool part of this year for sure. Yeah, at, at different times of the year um, and just teams in divisions where they can be competitive you know i mean tennis is obviously a um a sport that leans towards the country club crowd um and so there's like schools that are just a little far and away um 
more competitive. But if you put Long Beach kids in the right division and they're against kids that they can compete with, I mean, we're going to put our money on the Long Beach kids. And um, it, w- it was good money this year on the tennis courts. We have to mention Andy. We have to. It's just a. It's such a cool thing that I. You know, everyone says, "Oh, that would only happen here." It would literally only happen here because the only people doing highlight videos of uh, league championship tennis matches oh, is the, us. Yeah, tell the yeah. story. So years ago, we are covering the More League Girls final, and there's a little kid who just keeps running on the court to play. Just racket as big as he is. Running on the court to just like send the ball back, right? At one point, the crowd is cheering him on because it's so entertaining. Flash forward to this year. That kid is Andy Nguyen. He was watching his older sister compete in the More League Final. He led Milliken to their championship this time with also winning a More League Final. So we're like laughing about how entertaining this kid is running around with a racket. And then we're actually covering him in the exact same event. That to me is just like... You don't you don't get that anywhere else. Well, and credit to uh, coaches being here a long time. Tori Frapwell uh, actually uh, drew our, my attention to that when we were at those finals and said, you know, actually Andy was in a video when he was a kid. And I was like, no way. So I went back, found JJ's video, and there we were doing the the commentary together. And it's just a real full it was a real full That's circle so moment. And it was so cool. And that uh, the Nguyen family, I mean, such a rich uh, you know four siblings all played tennis at Milliken uh, and we just love stuff like that you know we love keeping it in the community having pride in your school and your program and then taking it to the next level and winning that championship and uh, Andy's not done you know he's still got uh, more years to to do his thing and um, and possibly play college tennis we'll see but uh, yeah just one of those special stories and man I love Long Beach come on Andy come on Andy <laughs> Speak, speaking of full circle uh, let's talk about moment number six which is uh, something JJ got to experience Long Beach State women's the Long Beach State softball team with a kind of shocking and unprecedented sweep uh, during the Big West uh, schedule this year. Long Beach State season always ends with Cal State Fullerton. They're playing at Long Beach Softball Complex on campus, so fans able to come back in socially distant, but they were able to be there. So fans in the stands on campus watching Long Beach State. They entered the weekend trailing Cal State Fullerton in the standings. They needed to sweep Fullerton to win the title. You couldn't you couldn't take two out of three. You couldn't split because it was originally supposed to be a four-game series. You had ranked, to take them all. Fullerton favored in the series. I mean, Fullerton ranked, where, where, ranked, ranked nationally, correct? Multiple starting pitchers who were great that year, while Long Beach, due to injury, was basically going to throw Kelly White out there for three straight games and cross their fingers. Well, and I think <laughs> that it is important to say, like, they had to sweep. It's not crazy... Uh, to think that a Long Beach State team could sweep a Cal State Fullerton team. Right. But when you add the caveat of this is the only way to save your season, you have to win every game. Knowing that going in makes it very different, right? Because the other team knows, hey, we only have to worry about winning one. For sure. But they just couldn't, couldn't do it. Do it. Couldn't, couldn't <laughs> get there. I mean, this is one of my favorite all-time moments is realizing as it was happening, oh my gosh, if this con- if this continues and ends the way I think it's going to end, I am going to get to write this lead. And the lead of the article after they won was bases loaded, two outs, a one run game with the championship on the line. It's what every kid does in the back. You know what I mean? The old trope. Every kid yeah. does in the backyard. Like set up that moment and see if you can deliver in the clutch. And as I said, pitcher Kelly White did that all weekend. She did that with the bases loaded, two outs, 
one run game, championship on the line, got the out she needed, and the the emotion from that group, like there was alumni in the stands just going crazy. Kim Souter's crying. If you've ever met Kim <laughs> Souter before, you know she doesn't really show a lot of emotion. So like that whole that whole weekend to go to all of those games and think, do they got one more? They got one more in them? It's like that part in Ocean's Eleven. You think we need one more? We probably, we probably need one more. <laughs> my my favorite part. I don't, well, not my favorite part, but one of the things that makes me laugh from that story is that, as you mentioned, JJ, because of the all the COVID stuff, they played four four game series. With the last one was a non yeah a non uh, conference game. <laughs> so Long Beach State sweeps the three games that matter, and then it's like they're dripping. Yeah, we're not playing that. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> dripping in Martinelli's at right. this point. <laughs> we're not gonna play that. Other we're not gonna game. play that's, that game. That's stupid. Why I, did we yeah. schedule that? <laughs> Totally forgot about that. I also forgot. I, that. I was like, they're going to bang that, right? And he's like, oh, absolutely. I that. also forgot <laughs> that was their first loss. Cal State Fullerton came into that series undefeated in Big West play. <laughs> and they left feated. <laughs> oh, boy. Put a big old fat three <laughs> in that loss column. My goodness. Also, as a Beach alum, just peak of all peaks to see Long Beach State beating Fullerton. In that in that fashion to take the Big West title, that's that's the rivalry I can get behind. It's like chicken soup for JJ's soul right yeah. there. Also, downtown Fullerton, not actually a thing. <laughs> Taking it back to 2008 podcast, <laughs> still um, not a thing. Still, still not a thing. It's I mean, 14 consecutive years of it. Second star on the right, straight on the morning is how you get to downtown Fullerton. <laughs> uh, moment number five. Uh, this is not. Totally unprecedented, but the Long Beach Poly boys water polo team had not won a CIF championship since 1929 and did that this year uh, with a really exciting and fun um, series of playoff games, the semifinal and championship game, both very notable. But this is kind of like you were, you know, they were just talking about with Andy on Milliken Tennis. This is a team where there's a lot of poly legacies on the team, a lot of guys who, um, you know, they're parents or their aunts and uncles or even in one of their cases their grandparents yeah. had swum at poly and been part of that aquatics tradition so still a part of it shout out to the Odie family yes for sure and the, the Odies in particular it was like you know tyler Odies. i think he said his grandma was the first uh woman to be the head swim coach at poly yep. um you know more family members than he'd known and prior to this competitive equity format it had just never you know, it used to be that the divisions were done by enrollment. And because Poly is a very large school, they just were always competing against the top 10 teams in the country um, in boys' water polo. This year, they got to compete in Division Four, and they are able to go win a championship. And so guys like Tyler Odie, Chaz Pruitt, uh, you know, Reese, um, Charlie Lemus, all these guys who had, you know, it meant a lot to them to be on the Poly Water Polo Program. They, quite frankly, it's, you don't go there to win CIF championships. They hadn't done it since before World War II. <laughs> and so uh, that was a really, really cool story um, to get to follow all the way along with them. I got to see all their playoff games. And uh, very cool, very special year for sure for that Water Polo team at number five. Yeah, it was uh, before the uh, Wall Street crash of 1929. <laughs> I, I thought you guys had <laughs> that was like, that's the That was the year. I was like, it goes back that far. That cost of a gallon of gas was 21 Thank you. cents. And took it up right out of my 21 mouth. 21 cents? That's what I was going to say. I thought at some point in one of the videos it was going to be like, and bread cost a nickel. <laughs> well, we, we, had, we had kind of a moment when we were there um, with the poly coaching staff, like the all-alumni coaching staff after, and we were like joking about like, 
the earthquake hadn't even happened that destroyed Polly's entire campus. It hadn't even happened yet. It's a great And point. it was like the breakwater didn't exist. Like, people were surfing in Long Beach at that time. And, uh, like, generations of jackrabbits have lived and died without seeing a water polo championship. The, the, uh, and, uh, yeah, it all came to an end. It was also a great water polo across the city. Wilson back in Division One, they make the semifinal. And no for doubt. the first time ever, we had four teams, including Lakewood and Cabrillo, that made that quarterfinal round. It's unbelievable. Well, and listen, I, I do. Well, this is as good a place of any. I do want to make this note because I think it's important when we talk about the competitive equity format. It is weird where you have the Wilson boys water polo team easily defeats the Poly boys water polo team this year. This was not one of those years where it was like, oh, they're neck and neck. Wilson, great team, top 10 in the state. You know, clearly the top team in the city, but... They're in Division One. Polly's in Division Four. Wilson plays Loyola in the semifinals in Division One. And as I remarked to you guys when I came in, with all due respect to the Division Four bracket, you cover Division Four for two weeks, as I had. You walk into a Division One semifinal, and every kid in the pool looks like an Olympian. Right. You're just like some of them oh. maybe. You're like, right. No, 100. percent You're like, oh, these guys are so big. And so, but it is worth noting that because there are a number of teams on here. Uh, there are some teams who were dominant in league and went on to win a championship, but there are also some teams where it was the second or third place team in league that was able to take advantage of the playoff format and win a CIF championship. Uh, we were not the first, but we were among the first, among the nation's best, uh, asking for a different playoff system. You know, how many times did we watch an incredible Long Beach football team have to play modern day in the first round? I, I think specifically of that. John Timu-led Jordan Panthers team. Magical season. He gets more league player of the year. Incredible. And then they got to go to Santa Ana and play the Monarchs. It's like, that's just not fair. And equity, playoff equity, it's the perfect name for it because that's exactly what it is. Basing playoffs off school enrollment is uh, is something that uh, was probably invented when bread was a nickel. Well, it's interesting. It's like it is sort of a badge of honor when, you know, say you're that Wilson water polo team and you know that you're better than that poly team. No no one's arguing that. It, it showed in the pool. It, it, it just is what it is. That's sort of a badge of honor, though. You can still root for Long Beach and say, like, hey, we won our league. The t- one of the teams that we beat comfortably both times yeah. won a championship. And you can be happy for Long Beach. Might as well be a Long Beach kid that wins the championship instead of a kid that you don't know from some other area. Um, but it is an interesting dynamic to know, like, hey, we were the best water polo team in the city, but we didn't get that plaque or the you know that p- particular patch. And, and it is tough, and then it makes you really want to value those CIF championships even, even more. And at number four, we have examples of teams that dominated the league and then went on to win a CIF championship but what made it special was that they did it on their home court, which we're not sure has happened. We're talking about the Wilson boys volleyball team and the Poly girls basketball team. And, and those happening uh, in very close proximity to one another. Yeah. Um, but the Wilson boys volleyball team, first time they've ever won a CIF championship in boys volleyball. And... They did it at home, the semifinal and the finals at home. The gym was absolutely rocking. They only dropped three sets over the course of the season to get to that championship, including the one they lost uh, in the championship match. Uh, Didn't lose a set at all, swept their way through the Moore League. A really impressive accomplishment from that group. And then the Poly Girls basketball team, not their first CIF championship, um, but the first time they've won it 
in the Ron Palmer Pavilion, and that was incredibly special. The moment um, with the Bugs family, you know, everybody with, you know, obviously Carl and Lakeisha Bugs coaching, um, and then you have um, Cynthia Bugs on the book doing, and then watching a school record uh, fall by Kalea Bugs, who hit six, seven three-pointers in that game. Uh, just a dominant championship performance. One of the best individual performances we've seen in a championship game. Oh, without question. And, and to have both of those things happen in the city, I mean, talk about a silver lining for a crappy year to say, hey, we had the opportunity to be at home to cover championships. It was different, it was unique, and it was special. Yeah, it was all those things, and it got Carl Bugs emotional. Uh, that's a guy who was chasing a national championship for 15, 20 years at Poly, who if you'd have told him in that era, hey, you're not going to be in this newly created open division, I think it would have torn him up. And based on the way that life has gone, the way that things have gone for public and private schools, the, the difficulty of that COVID year, he admitted to me, he said between his daughter being there, between everything that team had been through, they had a COVID shutdown in the middle of the season. Um, they had, I think, a week to get the season together, about a week of practice before the season started. And to be able to win a CIF championship on your home court with a great crowd, that was a great crowd. Um, you know, that, that was one he said that's right up there with the most special accomplishments of his career and uh, certainly among my favorite games that I've ever gotten to cover. For sure. uh, yeah, the, the moment. You know, win, win, lose, however, however it went down, there was a moment. And actually, I can I can visualize it in my head. So it's after the game, after all the ceremony, we get the what up Long Beach. It's awesome. Everything's great. Whoever was, I think it was AJ Luke. So shouts to AJ Luke. Whoever was on the, the, the music in the gym played one of my all-time favorite songs, Luther Vandross, Never Too Much. Mm. Incredible. It was definitely an AJ Luke And it looped, <laughs> so it played twice, like the freaking uh, seventh inning stretch at Dodger Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, like kids are running around, messing with the confetti on the ground, like people are hugging each other, people are crying and stuff. And I just remember listening to that song, looking around and thinking, we're going to be all right, man. Like it, it was a crazy spring. It was a crazy year plus. It was a crazy time in the world. We were weeks from games getting canceled on the day they were supposed to be played. We didn't know what that spring season was going to look like. But that was towards the end, and it felt right. It felt normal. It felt like we were going to be okay. Well, let's uh, use that as our transition into our number three moment, which is exactly what you just said, the start of this fall year, uh, fall sports season, the quote-unquote closest thing to a return to normalcy that we've had. Um, but most importantly, ending that football season with the Long Beach Poly football team winning its 20th CIF championship. They were in Division Four. They beat St. Francis. They beat the breaks off St. Francis. Um, also extra special this football season because of unprecedented success across the city. Jordan, St. Anthony, Compton all making it to CIF championships. Um, those three teams came up a little bit short in those championships. Uh, and as we mentioned, the Jackrabbits were able to cash it in, which... To put a, put a bow on a pretty wild 2021 for Poly, um, that was their 127th CIF championship in school history. Modern Day has now passed Wilson for number two on the all-time list uh, at 111. So Poly's still 16 up on Modern Day. But it was the fifth CIF championship for Poly in the calendar year of 2021, which is pretty crazy, as we mentioned, given everything that had happened. 
Um, that football team, we've discussed it on the show a number of times, also a representation of really persevering through these crazy COVID times and you know getting to see them celebrate that CIF championship. That's one that will stick with me for a long time as well. Well, and and especially because you know they did it for for Slice and we and we've talked about it. Um, you know, and it's it's been discussed on this podcast a number of times. But um, I, I for one, you know, having known Slice personally. Um, you know, and, and seeing him so often at, at Poly and, and around the community, just uh, it, it was an emotional moment there at the, after the game. You know what I mean? And so, you know, we get we get caught up in this stuff. You know what I mean? This is our life. We dedicate our life to covering Long Beach sports, and we've made strong relationships with tons of people, listeners, athletes, coaches, administrators, whoever. You know, we're really entrenched in the community, and that that is, you know, kind of a goosebumps moment, and I'm already getting emotional just thinking about it right now, but... Um, it's the, the power of sports, you know, bringing people together and having that kind of moment. And, um, poly football is the most popular, most well-renowned world famous program that we cover in, uh, in all honesty. And, uh, when poly football wins a championship, it's an important thing for the city. And, uh, it had a little bit of extra emotion on it this time. And, um, it was, it was an honor to be there to cover it and congratulations to the kids and the coaches and everybody that took part. And, um, yeah, yeah just one of the things for sure, the top moments that will stick with me from this year. Not to zoom out too much and not to get ahead of ourselves when we usually do our what we're looking forward to next year, which will be coming up early 2022. I can't wait to see how things are different for where teams end up in the CIF Southern Section football playoffs. Poly being in Division Four was a huge deal. Huge deal. It's a butterfly effect moment. It will never be that way ever again because of that. So now they, what? Yes, you know what I mean? Where are we? Right. Quo Vadimus, where are we going? Right. And, and I'm interested to see. I would like to see it. And we, we, when we talk to Rob Wygott at some point, uh, and I'm, I know we will before next football season, that's uh, that's something that we'll inquire about. I'm sure that there will be changes. I, yeah. I, I think, yes. I think we could say that there will be changes. <laughs> um, the number two moment, uh, another one of those just, I, I mean, this really was, I have to be, be honest, it's difficult not to get emotional just looking back on how big this year was. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it, it's like a... The, the denseness of some of this, I mean, we have stuff, like we talked about the, you know, the Polly and Milliken Tennessee I have championships are at number seven. When would that, how many yeah. years would that not be in the top three? How many years would the Olympics be at number nine on a list of these, you know? The, yeah, the 562.org bursting at the seams with incredible yeah. quotes from 15-year-olds. Right. But, but, but <laughs> good, the, to get out of, good to get that out of the way at 15. <laughs> but this uh, this number two moment, this number two moment is similarly like a night that I don't think any of us will ever forget. We're at uh, Bull Diamond at Blair Field. We're watching the Millican baseball team wrap up an incredible run through the CIF Division Three playoffs to win a CIF championship. Um, we're watching kids get to celebrate playing at Blair Field, which is such a special thing in Long Beach, and them getting to do that um, in a CIF championship game with a great crowd, um, a huge Long Beach crowd. A crowd with all the different colors of the Moore League, all the colors of the wind. Like, you know what I mean? Wilson baseball there, Poly baseball there. Like, the whole city was behind that team yeah. that week. Yeah, and it just, it, it was really cool. Um, on the personal level, I'll note that Tyler had covered, I think, all of their playoff games up to that point. I had, and, had, and uh, three of them were on the road. So yeah. I, had to make, I had to put some miles in to cover that yeah. team, and, unintended. And then did not get to cover the, <laughs> and then did not get to cover the CIF uh, championship because because uh, he'd had a little light surgery. <laughs> light. A little light Surgery, uh, yes, I was um, <laughs> very ill still recovering from that surgery literally that morning, and I had the audacity 
to think Can that you I was say what it was? Are you comfortable way. saying what it was? Yeah, yeah. I had my gallbladder removed. <laughs> and I had the gall to think that I was going to make it to that you did. you did. There was, a, yeah. there was a moment in the group text where we were like, Tyler... You are gonna get cut open, bro. They're don't yeah. come to this baseball game. Well, I, mean, but I was I, like, what do I just have to sit there? Like they just have to weekend at Bernie's me and prop me up. <laughs> and honestly, if it weren't for the pesky vomiting, I would have been fine. But it was the it was the nausea that was really but we, uh, me, so I, me down. I've had surgery where I've been under general anesthesia four times. General anesthesia? Reporting for duty. Uh, <laughs> two of them were internal surgery like you had, where they're going into your body to do things. And I was very aware. JD, I don't know what your medical history is regarding surgeries, but I was very aware that it's like, hey man, you're not, you, it's not just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, for me at least, it was like 48 hours. But, but people were upset. Some of the coaches were like, Oh, tell them to rub some dirt on it. <laughs> very which baseball. Is, very is, baseball yeah. attitude. But, that, but that's why I want to make it clear that you did have your gallbladder out. This was not... When you say we went in for a surgery, you didn't have a wart cut off of your elbow or something. <laughs> no. This was like a you're no. under and they're taking something out of your body type of a surgery. Yeah, I didn't get lip filler. You know what I mean? Like I, was, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was actually uh, dealing with it. It wasn't a Dr. Miami situation. It was... Uh, they were really in there. And uh, I'm bummed that I missed it, but like... You know, and especially because I covered all the games, it was kind of a like, oh, is Tyler a good luck charm? You know, we haven't lost with Tyler at the games. And uh, you know what? It's not about luck and superstition. They were good enough, and they went and they won the game. They or, or JJ and I are also the good luck charm. Fair enough. Maybe there's just three good luck charms. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Well... Bold Diamond to Blair Field. Bold Diamond to Blair Field was the good luck charm. Um, there are there are certain things we have talked about since we started covering local sports in 2007, 2008. The Long Beach Poly football running attack. It's just something we talk about every Wilson Boys Water Polo. We talk about it every year. Talk how, about their talk about their speed and their calorie exactly. every year, right? How to win at Bold Diamond at Blair Field as a high school baseball team. It's something we've been talking about since Aaron Hicks led the Bruins. To a championship. And that was the last time a Long Beach team had won. And there was a really long stretch where Long Beach baseball was falling early in every single playoffs. Every single one. We were doing math on it. Like, why why are we covering incredible baseball with future major leaguers and these kids just can't get out of the first round? They just kept running into these buzz saws or like a lefty they couldn't touch in the first round from some team that like snuck into the playoffs. It was really odd. So for Milliken. To run through the playoffs like they did. To play that championship at the jewel that is Bull Diamond at Blair Field. And to do it the way we always said was the way to win baseball games at Bull Diamond at Blair Field. Play good defense. Have great pitching. Take advantage of the one or two extra base hits that you have because you're not going to have many. And keep your stuff together. Mentally keep your stuff together. Mm-hmm. They did all of that in front of the biggest crowd any of those kids had played in, or maybe even been in front of yeah. in more than a year. And to have that happen in our backyard when we needed like one of those moments again, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Like the Wilson Volleyballs, like the Long Beach Poly Girls Basketball, to have that there and them to win Long Beach style, ooh, hook it to my veins, man. Beautiful. Well, and a dominant run through the postseason, they gave up two runs total in five playoff games. That's nuts, including yeah. three on the road. It's not like they oh they were at home the whole time. And, and credit to the pitching staff. I mean, and, Miles Patton, and Miles Patton, um, and and he then <laughs> he then gets to commit to uh, to Long Beach State, kind of living a childhood dream. You know, oh yeah, you're gonna win a CIF championship at Bull Diamond at Blair Field uh, for Milliken, and then you're just gonna commit to go to the Dirtbags. Oh yeah, and you have another year of high school to take a victory lap if you want it. 
pretty pretty cool stuff. Pretty beautiful. <laughs> Speaking of victory laps, uh, our number one moment, and uh, you will be able to see all ten of these. We are going to have an article up about this in the last week of the year um, as you're getting ready to celebrate New Year's Eve. Um, and we will also in that article have some additional reflections from the three of us about you know, personally what different things meant to us or, or, or what we're remembering from the year that you can you can check out in that article at the 562.org in a couple weeks. Our number one moment, pretty easy, um, a totally historic day, the Division One and Four CIF Southern Section Track and Field Championships, the Long Beach Poly Girls, the Wilson Boys, the St. Anthony, uh, both won CIF Championships, the St. Anthony Girls, took home a silver plaque for their best team finish ever. Um, very, very special day for the Moore League and for Long Beach. And, you know, the the St. Anthony thing was incredible. Asia Atkinson, who's a Cal now, um, powering them to uh, that finish. But Tyler and I were at Tribuco Hills for the Division One Championship. I think that's what we really have to focus, where, you know, we got to put the, the Polly and Wilson track and field teams, two of the most successful teams, and I would say inarguably the most successful sport that we've had in, uh, in, in Long Beach at the high school level. We got to put them together for one giant what up Long Beach moment. Um, the Poly Girls Championship is their 21st, which makes them no other high school team in Long Beach has won more championships than that. They're out of a tie with the Poly Boys Basketball and Football teams, which have 20 championships. Um, and the Wilson Boys team... You know, it was their first championship in a couple of decades, but they've produced Division One athletes every year mm-hmm. that we've covered them. They've won state championships in individual and relay events, and um, and and the Poly Boys finished second place right. to the Wilson Boys, you know, by a couple of points. And so Wilson it, was third on the girls. Right. We almost went one two one two just to really stunt on them, but like yeah. it's it's rare to have both schools there. Everyone was pretty happy about how the day went. You know, it could have gone slightly better, but also um, it was just too. Uh, we always talk about it. Oldest rivalry in Long Beach, right? Two old rivals. And let's let's be really fair. Those track programs have not always gotten along. <laughs> no, and that, and so no, that and was that, another part of it. That, right. That's <laughs> actually exactly where I wanted to end <laughs> visions, it. Visions of pole vaulting on a day that's not the scheduled day for the meet is running through my head right now. <laughs> well, but that's where I wanted to end it because that's something that Crystal Irving, who's the head coach at Poly, and Neil Nelson, who's the head coach at Wilson, they both told me was, Look, back in the day when it was Don Norford at Poly and Terry Kennedy at Wilson, there was a lot of bad blood between those programs. And I mean, to the extent that they would rearrange their schedules so that they were not going to the same events, they were not going to each other's invitationals to support each other's programs. And the way that track and field is, it's one of the few sports that did not, there's no break in the history, right? The, the people who are coaching those programs now were longtime assistants who are alumni of the programs in Crystal and Neil. And they've been saying to each other since they were young, when we take over, it's going to be different. And they made sure that that was the case. Um, I sent that photo that we took of both teams together to a lot of old-time track people. And a couple of them told me, they said, this made me emotional. I'm, I, I teared up seeing that picture. Because for so long, we've had these two great programs. And it was kind of a Capulets and Montague situation of, you know, uh, uh, this suspicion and, and not any kind of supportiveness or whatever. And um, I think Crystal and Neil not only deserve credit for, and their assistants, they've both got great assistant coaching staffs, not only for coaching these kids to scholarships and championships, but to really healing that divide. Um, and I like to think that our coverage, you know, and being able to be so positive about both programs hopefully helped to move things in that direction. But that was a special day 
it represented a lot. And I think coming in the middle of this year of so much craziness, but also so much success, it's kind of the perfect representation of how wild of a calendar year 2021 really was. You know what I love about that being the number one moment for a year that is absolutely unforgettable is that we'll never forget that when Mike brought this up, he said, we brought the two teams together. He did not say we brought the individuals from Wilson and Holly for a photo. I'm making Mike do a spit take right now. So settled from now until forever, track and field, a team sport. I love it. When did that start? When did we start arguing about that? Do you remember? Uh, I think we were in Clovis. How long have Char and I been winning that argument? Uh, It must have been... It, it was definitely coming home from uh, from Clovis or whatever, but I, I don't know what it's. Uh, yeah, we, it, that's Tyler that's was, a Tyler was, Tyler was pretty emotional at getting to see the Polly and Wilson team championships for a guy who doesn't believe it's a team sport. And on that note, truly <laughs> well, after seeing so many great individual performances of championships won that day, there there were eight plaques given out during track season last year. That's Long crazy. Beach, Long Beach brought home half of. Them. That's absolutely wild. Beautifully um, said. Thank you so much to everyone, as I said, for your support all year long. Uh, this was a historic, record-breaking year for our website as well. Um, more people than ever before have been checking out our coverage. We've really been feeling the love, so thank you to the people who've donated money. But also thank you to the people who dropped us an email or tugged on our elbow uh, in between plays, preferably when we're <laughs> at a game, just to pass on a word of thanks. Um, this was a really hard year, as I mentioned, for us. Uh, a lot of time out of the house, a lot of time away from our loved ones uh, in order to bring you coverage of your loved ones. And, uh, and it, it means a lot to you know have felt the support that we did throughout the whole year as well. So thank you from all of us. And uh, here's to a more normal 2022, please, dear God. <laughs>